and the bus driver can't see you very well back there. Yes. That was the whole reason we sat back there. Oh, what were you doing back there? Smoking drugs. You were smoking. Were you taking marijuana pills? (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to Franchise Frights Podcast. I didn't know if I was supposed to start. Oh, I started. <laughs> Good job. Hi, Mandy. Hi, Cam. How are you today? Cold. It's very cold. We had Snowmageddon 2024, rounds one and two. Yeah. And now it's, what, like negative 12 degrees out? I just looked. It's up to negative four. Oh, my goodness. I know. Let's go outside it, in shorts. Yeah. Yeah, it's not nice out. No, it's that kind of weather where we literally have to shove our dog out the door. Yeah, he he's not even on his chain. Like, just open the door and kind of push him out. Yeah. He's wearing his little doggy coat, mm-hmm. which makes him look like a turtle. Yes, he's a turtle. He's so cute. He and he's is. so grumpy. He's very grumpy. I think everybody's grumpy. I'm not. No. Because I have the Daisy Cottage Cheese song in my head. Yeah. But pretty much we've been stuck at home for three days. Yeah. I got out of work twice last week. That's crazy. I've worked there for 18 years, and this was the fourth and fifth time we've ever closed due to weather. Yeah. And the other times it wasn't really due to weather. It was just because our power was knocked out. Oh. So yeah, it's, that's been fun. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else new going on in the world? I don't think so. I made a lot of bread yesterday. You did, and you made a lot of really good bread yesterday. <laughs> Garlic knots and two loaves. Yeah. Tasty. Mm-hmm. We have stickers and business cards. We do. They're cool. And if you would like a sticker to put on your whatever you would like to put a sticker on, you should send us a DM with your mailing address to any of our socials, and we will send you five business cards, and a sticker, and then all you have to do is make sure people get the five business cards. Yeah, you can put them different places. Yeah, they're very versatile. They're small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's all for news. Yeah. Do you have any horror movie news? Um, I watched the preview for Lisa Frankenstein, and now I'm like super excited for it. Yeah. Because it's Heather's. Yes. <laughs> You sent me some screenshots, and it looks like Heather's. It looks like Heather's. Like it, I didn't realize it was going to be like a, I don't want to say period piece, because that makes it sound really old, but like... <laughs> We're old enough to have period pieces about us. I guess. No, because Heather's is before our time. What? That's very Gen X. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So it's, I think it's set in like the late 80s, maybe. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But... It definitely has that Heather's vibe to it. Yes. Which I'm excited about. And Diablo Cody rules. True, true. Oh, and I apologize if you can hear our space heater humming away in the background. Oh, yeah. Because we need warmth. Yeah. We're in a basement. It's cold. I have a little bit of horror movie news. Do you? 
killer clowns from outer space could be getting an eight-part limited series soon. Yeah. Oh. No news on who the lucky streamer will be, but yeah. I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, that would be fun. There's also going to be a Killer Clowns from Outer Space video game. Oh. So. I haven't watched that movie for like a long time. Nolan adores it. Does he? Yeah. Huh. Especially the theme. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I had for horror movie news. Oh, no. What did I tell you last night? Um, A lot of different things. Nope. Fear Street. Oh, yes. Uh, the uh, the prom queen one. I don't remember what it's called now. I don't either. Hold on. Let me grab my phone. Talk to the kids. Okay. So there's going to be a new Fear Street movie, but it's not going to be related to the other ones that have already been on Netflix. It's going to be about a different R.L. Stein book. Called The Prom Queen. Oh, it's just The Prom Queen? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I read that book. I read that book, too. It had one of those cool covers where like yeah. certain things were raised uh-huh. on it and you could run your finger over the skull on the prom queen. Yeah. It was spooky. I just joined like a Zenial group and they were talking about Christopher Pike and I'd completely forgot about Christopher Pike's books. Oh yeah. He was like the the more grown up yeah. R.L. Stein. Uh-huh. So now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go back and read some of those. I like reading YA novels. I do too. Like when I had Audible, I listened to a lot of YA horror. They're super fast to read and they're like, they're entertaining. And it's on my level. Yeah. I never progressed past 12 or 13. Well, but you have a nice vocabulary. Fuck yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to tell you all of our thoughts and feelings on Child's Play 2. Oh, yeah. Mandy loved it. Mm-hmm. I can tell by the look on her face. Mm-hmm. It's nothing but smiles over here. <laughs> would you like to give the facts and figures to the dear listeners? I would. It was released on November 9th, 1990, starring Alex Vincent, Christine Elise, Jenny Agutter, Garrett Graham, Grace Zabriskie, and Brad Dorif. It was directed by John Lafia, written by Don Mancini, produced by David Kirshner, Cinematography by Stefan Zapsky, I think. That sounds good. <laughs> Music by Graham Revel. The production company was Living Doll Production. Ooh. Hmm. It was distributed by Universal Pictures. The runtime is 84 minutes. The perfect length for a movie. No. <laughs> it had a budget of 13 million. That's $30 million today. <laughs> and box office of $35.8 million. Or $84 million today. They gave them $13 million to make this movie. Hey, 1990 was like when the slashers were starting to die out. But like they were bringing in a lot of money. So they were throwing a lot of money at slashers. Okay. It has an IMDb score of 5.9. A Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 40% and an audience score of 52%. Way too low on all counts. Oh, okay. This movie is a solid (laughs) 9.5. No. (laughs) Yeah, We're going to fight. I didn't write down the critics consensus, so would you like to read that? You know why you didn't write one down? Because there wasn't one? There was none. Oh. I was devastated. Maybe that's why I didn't write it down. That's like my favorite part. I know. 
It was really hard to find reviewers, too. It was. I have one from Richard Harrington of the Washington Post mm -hmm. who said, as surreal as it is suspenseful, the climax may be a little too sophisticated for the genre, but it manages to lower its expectations at the last minute. He thought the ending was too sophisticated? Yeah. I have one from him as well. And this is all one sentence that I'm going to read to you. Oh, so he's like me. Yes. Thin plot-wise, it caters to an audience apparently amused on the first go-round by antics of foul mouth oh of a foul mouth doll named Chucky, unlikely home to the soul, a psychopathic killer whose occult powers have allowed him to remove the batteries permanently. It's so badly written that I couldn't read it. That's that's a rough sentence. It's very rough. <laughs> I like. Did you read Gene Siskel's review? I don't think so. It's it's so good. Who was this trash made for? And would you want to sit next to them in a theater? <laughs> <laughs> so sassy. I love it. <laughs> Drew Deitch from BloodyDisgusting.com. Because that's a good site. I know that's about the best reviews I could find. Um, he said, Child's Play 2 is a perfect example of what a horror sequel should be. It ups the budget, spends the money in the right places, enhances our fascination with the villain, and delivers everything that made the original work while giving you something more that you didn't expect. Snaps. <laughs> I agree. You do? Wholeheartedly. Okay. I have no more reviews because I couldn't find any. It, it was difficult. That's I, what, I don't usually like to go with like website publications, but yeah, I was like, I feel like bloody disgusting is, yeah, reputable. I always try to like, I want to get reviews from the time that it came out. Yeah, but not a lot of reviewers no reviewed this one. I wonder why. They were like, you know what, the movie speaks for itself. It's perfect. Yeah, that's why. Okay. What were your initial impressions? I think you'd only seen this once, hadn't you? I don't think I wrote down my initial impressions. <laughs> <laughs> you slacker. I was just looking. I was like, I didn't. I don't think I'd seen it at all. Oh, really? Mm -mm. I thought I made you watch it one time. No. I, I, had I written something, I would have been like, I don't like the Chucky movies. Yeah. That would have been about the end of that sentence. And that's, you know, there's only a few things I don't like about you, and that's one of them. Okay. <laughs> I'm all right with that. My initial impressions... My best friend, my uh, your best friend's wedding. Yeah, ooh, that's a good movie. <laughs> my best friend Nick and I, when we were growing up, we used to watch this movie together like at least once a month for probably five straight years. Oh, and no joke, like this is one of my favorite '90s horror flicks. The final chase scene in the factory is ridiculous and amazing, mm -hmm. and I could watch this one like any time and be perfectly happy that I was watching it, even though I've seen it dozens upon dozens of times like it just takes me back to that like i'm 15 years yeah. old and i'm high I, I and think, my best friend and i are riffing on it i was gonna say if, if i was watching it with somebody it would be a much more enjoyable movie oh yeah because you can just riff through the whole thing yeah just sitting down to watch it alone and take notes was horrible <laughs> are you gonna give this like a two mm. She's like, no, that's too high. 
So, would you like to jump into the plot rundown, or would you like me to? How about you start? Okay. I'm gonna vape, bro. Oh, you're so cool. Cam's cool. He vapes. <sighs> oh, man. Look at all that steam blowing out. <laughs> Looks like you were in Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> so, immediately, the score for this movie is very grandiose. Yeah. The camera pulls back from an eye, and we see it's a doll eye surrounded by burned doll flesh. We see a limousine driving through the city. Then we cut back to Chucky's burned-up doll head. They dig out his remaining eye with a little tool, and then Child's Play appears on the screen. A bloody two gets painted over the title. Cut back to the limo waiting at a train crossing. The limo has the license plate, Fun One. (laughs) Cut back to the doll head where the burned doll flesh is being peeled away. The worker scrapes Chucky's disgusting teeth, and they buff the metal doll skull to a shine, but, you know, the teeth are still gross. Mm -hmm. They wrap new doll skin around the skull. They bring in a stencil and lay it over the skull to paint on the eyebrows, lashes, and freckles. Now we see a doll body. They attach new arms and legs to the body. The limo is speeding through the gross-ass city streets. And now the worker is finishing off the good guy doll by attaching a freshly remade Chucky head, closing the door for the electronics, and installing new batteries and dressing the doll in its signature overalls. The limo puts a fac- or pulls into the factory parking lot where we see a giant good guy's sign, complete with a waving good guy arm. Semis are leaving the lot with colorful trailers and Play Pals toys written on the side in childish script. A wormy-looking asshole carrying a brick phone opens the limo door and greets a grumpy old man. (laughs) He does not return the greeting when he gets out of the car and begins storming towards the factory. He tells the wormy asshole guy, whose name is Matson, that he has a meeting with some jittery stockholders in a few minutes, and that Matson had better have some good news for him. Matson and CEO Grumpman fill us in on the backstory. Every supermarket tabloid is reporting on Andy's murderous good guy doll story. The cops involved with the Chucky case are denying that Andy and Karen's story were true, but Karen stuck to it and was put in a mental institution. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know why they'd throw her in a mental institution for saying that the soul of a deranged serial killer was living inside her son's good guy doll yeah. and tried to kill people. Well, and like, what happened to the cops? Did they just, like, flip their story? Probably. The CPD was like, you can't say that. And they were like, okay, I sure do like my job. (laughs) So Andy is in a children's crisis center awaiting adoption, and there are rumors going around that a factory employee tampered with the doll to make it say scary things to Andy. Then Matson tells the CEO grump that they have the doll now. Wouldn't that be an evidence or something? I would think so. Corporate America bought the police. Yep. They walk into an observation room that overlooks the room where it looks like a seismologist should work. There's so (laughs) many large computers and (laughs) cabinets of electronics. Uh Uh, But there are doll parts laying everywhere, and a couple of workers are finishing off the Chucky rebuild. Matson tells the CEO grump that they've rebuilt the doll. Everything with the old doll checked out. There was no tampering. He gives the CEO a quality control report to show the shareholders. Matson knocks on the glass to the build room and tells the techs that Mr. Sullivan is here and he wants to see the doll. A grumpy worker man says that they aren't used to building them by hand and they need a couple of more minutes. 
He has green paint all over his hands, despite there being nothing green on Chucky. I, yeah. I don't get that. I don't either. So uh, now he punches some buttons on the machine that's supposed to install the doll's eyes, and the doll eye machine freezes. He pounds on it, and it starts working again. The new eyes get inserted, and the tech pets the machine in like a proud papa way. <laughs> He's like, that's a good little machine. Good job. Then a red glow starts up in Chucky's eyes, and bolts of electricity shoot from the eyes and up the machine. It electrocutes the tech who's petting the machine. <laughs> he was. He was just. I just put his it. hand was still on the machine, not that he was petting it. <laughs> he was petting it. Uh, so but Matt, I like what happens next. <laughs> yes. So Matson and Sullivan do a terrible job of acting as the tech guy shakes and groans, you know, because of the electrocution. Yeah. Then the tech's body gets thrown across the room and through the window in front of the two important men. Now we cut to Andy playing go fish with a man we think is like a child psychologist. Yeah. Andy talks about nightmares of Chucky wanting to take over his soul. He also fills in some storyline about Chucky being the soul of the Lakeshore Strangler. Ooh. He needed to get his soul into Andy before he was a doll for too long or he would be trapped in the doll forever. We cut back to the factory where Sullivan tells Matson to cover up the Chucky accident that killed the tech. Chucky's sitting next to the door to the exit room. Somehow, how do you get off the table and over by the door? I don't know. Matson asks what to do with the doll and Sullivan tells him, stick it up your ass. <laughs> back at the foster home holding center. I didn't know what it was. They call it a children's crisis center. Yeah. I just said it was I don't like, know what that I didn't means. want to call it an orphanage because it's not an orphanage. But anyway, there's a couple watching Andy's session through a window. The caseworker explains to them that Andy's been through a lot and he needs a loving family to help him forget everything and move on. She praises the couple for the work they've done with other kids. The dad seems a little apprehensive and asks how all of the trauma has affected Andy. Um, she tells him that his brain turned it all into a kind of fairy tale. And she tells them that Andy claims his doll was responsible and possessed by Charles Lee Ray. Dad asks if they're even qualified to take care of a kid like this, but she assures him that Andy is fine and he's ready to move on. So we cut to Andy in the back of a car. So I guess they decided to take him in. I guess, yeah. Um, pretty sure he's not wearing a seatbelt. But it was 1990. <laughs> he's definitely not in a booster seat. <laughs> it was 1990. Um. So Joanne and Phil are the couple from earlier, and they ask Andy what kind of food he likes to eat, and he tells them eggs. His mom used to make them for breakfast. And then he pulls out a little picture of his mom. And it's really sad. And it's sad. Um, as the three of them are talking, Phil has to slam on the brakes to avoid hitting a semi that pulled out in front of them. A semi with Play Pal toys written on the side, and a giant picture of a good guy doll. Poor little guy just can't escape it. Nope, it's everywhere. The car pulls up into a neighborhood swarming with families and kids. Phil and Joanne bring Andy inside their home. It looks like a bed and breakfast. I wrote that it looks like a fucking Cracker Barrel. <laughs> no. It has all the weird shit on the walls. Yeah, and... so everything is pink and baby blue. And there's a lot of antique looking trinkets and furniture. I just felt like other than the coloring, it was like... These people live in a cracker barrel. Cracker barrel. No, it's too gaudy even for that. <laughs> so Andy and Meyer is a figurine of a mother and a baby. He reaches out to touch it, but Phil nicely corrects him and tells him not to touch the old stuff. 
Joanne informs him that the piece has been in her family for three generations. So they tell Andy to go ahead and take his stuff upstairs and get settled. Joanne asks Phil what he thinks, and he replies, oh, I guess I'll get used to him. So I have a problem here. Mm -hmm. They're they're foster parents, Mm -hmm. and I guess they've fostered a lot of kids, Mm -hmm. from what the lady at the crisis center said. Why would you have a house filled with all those breakable tchotchkes? (laughs) I put thoughts. Okay, they're fostering. That's amazing. Good for them, especially since they seem like a genuinely nice couple doing it for the right reasons. But why the fuck is your house filled with antiques? If you were going to be bringing different children in constantly, don't have a bunch of breakable stuff. Kids break stuff. Kids break stuff. They don't don't mean to. And like this family heirloom that's like... The center of your existence is just sitting right out in the middle of the room on a table. Like, at least go put it in your bedroom or something. Yeah. So Andy goes upstairs and walks down a hallway, and he hears rock music coming from a room. He opens the the door. (laughs) He opens the girl. He opens the girl. A teenage girl is sitting on the bed, smoking and flipping through a magazine. She's dressed in black, and we can already tell that she's clearly a rebel. And she's awesome. (laughs) She harasses Andy for not knocking. Joanne enters the room and introduces the girl as Kyle. Joanne's scolding at Kyle for smoking and then yells at her for not having unpacked her bags. Um, Then she asks for Kyle's help with supper, but Kyle tells her she has to work. Joanne is upset because this is three days in a row and she would like Kyle to spend some more time with the family. Come on, Kyle. You need to be part of this. Yeah, but Kyle's like, hey, I'm going to be out of the system soon. I need some money. So Joanne and Andy make their way to his room. It's filled with toys and looks like a great little kid's room. Andy starts playing with toys while while Joanne unpacks his suitcase. She tells him there's more toys in the closet. So he investigates and finds a skateboard sitting on a shelf. He has to reach for it, like really, really reach for it. And as he's grabbing it, a good guy doll that was sitting behind the skateboard rolls off with it and lands on the floor behind Andy. Which... Even if I wasn't traumatized by good guy dolls, that would have been enough to scare me to the point of urinating myself. Yeah. But poor Andy. Poor Andy. He freaks out and takes off running. Luckily, Phil was just coming in to check on them. He explains to Andy that the second rule of the house is no running. Joanne apologizes and says with all the kids coming in and out of the house, it's hard to keep track of everything. She says she didn't even realize that the doll was there. So she takes the doll and tells Andy to settle in a while before they eat. And Phil displays right here for the first time that he is an asshole. (sighs) Like he's grabbing a hold of Andy's arm and he's like, it's only a doll. Are you listening to me? I don't know that Phil's an asshole. I think Phil's an asshole. Okay. I'd punch Phil right in the nose. I think he's. He doesn't know how to process feelings. Because he's an asshole. Maybe. (laughs) Back at the toy factory, it's pouring rain as Matson walks to his car. He's carrying an umbrella, a briefcase, and the doll. And I know he's rich because when the umbrella is ripped from his hands, he just lets it fly away. Yeah. He's just like, you know what? I'll buy a new one. (laughs) He reaches the car and tries to put Chucky in the trunk, but can't because it's filled to the brim with toys and he can't get the trunk lid closed. Frustrated, he throws Chucky in the back seat before getting in the front and pulling away. Inside the car, Matson makes a phone call on his car phone. I told you he was rich. He's driving his BMW. He's got his car phone. <laughs> Apparently, it's his two-week anniversary with Gabriella, and he needs to bring some vodka. 
I bet Gabriella is only 16. <laughs> Behind him, we see that Chucky is now sitting up. Matson pulls up in front of a liquor store. And once he's inside, we see Chucky eye the car phone. And when he gets out of the car, he does that thing that annoys the piss out of me, where he locks the doors with the fob, but he fully extends his arm towards the oh. car. I'm like, no, that could be in your pocket and you can press the button. It was the 90s. You might have had to push it a little bit. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I just think he's a gigantic douche. At the orphanage foster care holding place, the phone rings. The caseworker lady from earlier answers and the caller asks about Andy Barclay. She tells him that Andy is no longer living there and asks who's calling. The caller replies, uh, his uncle Charles. Dun, dun, dun. Wait, Charles? Wouldn't a nickname for that be Chucky? It could be. Inside the liquor store, Matson is trying to buy his bottle of vodka with a gold card. And the clerk tells him it's cash only. And they squabble a bit about card versus cash. Can you imagine that today? Like, like now, now we don't places, take cards. Well, now places don't take cash. Yeah. <laughs> so outside, Matson's car alarm starts going off and he runs out to check on it. He checks around the vehicle and sees... Nothing seems odd, and we can see that Chucky is lying in the back seat again like he was tossed there. Matson gets in the car, gets the alarm shut off, and pulls away from the store. And Chucky pops up from the back with a gun. Then I put, is it a toy gun? Because it's really small. I don't know that I'd be scared of a very tiny gun. Oh, a Derringer? Okay. He presses the gun into Matson's cheek and tells him to drive. We see... And then Matson... (laughs) It absolutely horrible acting. Chucky tells him to like move it, uh-huh. and he's like, "Okay, okay." That guy's been in other things. I didn't look he him. Has. I didn't look him up to see what it was like. And he's not a bad no. actor. He kind of usually plays an asshole, but but he's horrible in this. Yeah. So we see the car slowly drive by the house Andy is currently staying in. Chucky tells Matson to keep driving and instructs him to pull into a parking lot and park. Once parked, Chucky tells Matson to put his hands behind the seat. He ties him up with a jump rope. Matson begs Chucky to let him go. He'll give him his gold card. <laughs> Just please don't shoot me. Chucky says bang before shooting Matson in the face with the gun. That is a squirt. And then Matson goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they both share a chuckle. Matson looks in the rearview mirror for Chucky but can't see him. And Chucky pulls a plastic toy bag over Matson's head and suffocates him. Matson struggles and struggles, but ultimately he dies. And his feet are kicking the pedals he's, on the car. He's trying. My friend Nick and I used to watch that scene like over and over again just because of <laughs> Chucky going, now park this piece of shit. It was really funny to us. Okay. At Andy's new home, we get a Chucky POV shot approaching the house. Upstairs, Joanne is reading Andy a story. She ends Hansel and Gretel before it gets to the scary part, and Andy tells her that he's scared and he misses his mom. He asks Joanne to sing to him like his mom did when he was scared. The camera goes down the hall and turns to show Chucky standing at the bottom of the steps. The Tommy Goodguy doll starts chattering, and Chucky beats it to death with the statuette that Joanne said had been in her family for three generations. Outside, Chucky buries Tommy's dead doll body in a shallow grave under the swing set with a toy shovel while saying, Eat dirt, Tommy! (laughs) (laughs) 
I love this movie. So the next morning, Phil tries to get Kyle and Andy to admit to breaking the statuette, but they don't fess up because they didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Phil grounds them both until one of them admits to it. We get a cute little bonding scene between Kyle and Andy where Andy takes a drag of a smoke while Kyle's doing some laundry. Mm -hmm. And Kyle is so supremely 90s with her fashion. Yes. Like, I want to be friends with Kyle. I want to be Kyle. Well, that would work because I'm friends with you. Aww. Andy talks about how Mr. Simpson is kind of a grump. Kyle tells him about how the Simpsons aren't so bad and tells him some horror stories about other foster families. This makes Andy really sad. Yeah. And he walks up the basement steps and into the kitchen where he overhears Phil and Joanne talking about him. Phil doesn't think they're qualified to take care of him, but Joanne likes him. Mm-hmm. Andy goes out to the living room and faces down the doll that he thinks is Tommy. He tells it he hates it, and it gives him the, Hi, I'm Tommy, and I'm your friend to the end. Heidi ho Ha ha ha. But he does hesitate for a second on the name. It definitely takes him a second to say Tommy. Andy picks up the doll and checks the battery compartment. Seeing that it has batteries, he feels safe and walks back into the kitchen with the doll to show Phil that he is now a well-adjusted boy. Later, Andy is on the swing and Kyle is pruning some roses. They have some more bonding time when Kyle talks about her real family. She takes a turn on the swing and Andy pushes her on it. She drags her feet over the Tommy grave and Chucky eyes it nervously. They have to go inside for dinner and Andy grabs Chucky to bring him back inside. He's still obviously scared of the good guy doll. Well, and outside when they're kind of horsing around, Kyle says, like when uh, Andy won't stop pushing her, she says, I'll kill you. And it kind of flashes to Chucky. Yeah. Because, and I thought, oh my God, Kyle's going to die next. She says, I'll kill you. And Chucky's like, what a fantastic idea. Yeah. Some killing. Yes. But it's like if she kills Andy. He's he, stuck. He ain't got no place to go. Yeah. So I thought he was going to kill Kyle immediately. No. <laughs> Kyle survives. Yeah. Now it's nighttime. Andy's in his bed and the camera slowly pans around his room to show Chucky sitting on his dresser. Chucky gives an ominous look towards the bed. We cut to Phil and Joanne for a few seconds and then cut back to Andy's room. He's tied to the bedpost with jump ropes and a sock is stuffed in his mouth. Chucky's sitting on his chest and he tells Andy he has a new game called Hide the Soul. Chucky starts in with his voodoo chant, but he hears something outside Andy's window. He tells Andy, the next time you're alone, you're mine. Then he goes back to looking just like another good guy doll as Kyle climbs in through Andy's window. She comes over to untie Andy, very obviously confused. Mm -hmm. But she's also kind of annoyed, like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, how did you tie yourself up, you weird ass? She takes the sock out of his mouth and Andy starts yelling, and this brings Phil and Joanne, who think that Kyle tied up Andy so she could sneak out for her date without Andy telling on her. Andy tells him that Chucky was here and that he was trying to take over his soul. So Phil decides to deal with this by yelling at the traumatized child. Yeah. Then he takes him downstairs and... Oh, he takes Chucky downstairs. First of all, Chucky punches Andy in the... Nope. Andy punches Chucky in the face. <laughs> yes. Full on. <laughs> it made me laugh. So Phil yells at Andy, and he takes Chucky downstairs. He throws the doll down the basement steps and tells Andy, There, he's gone. He can't get you anymore. When the door shuts, Chucky sits up. 
His nose is bleeding. Uh-oh. He wipes the blood away and says, I'm turning human again? If he doesn't get out of this body soon, he's screwed. Yeah. The next morning, Kyle and Andy are leaving for school, and Joanne gives Andy his bagged lunch and tells him it's egg salad. Mm-hmm. Egg salad in a paper bag. How's he going to keep that cold till lunchtime, That's Joanne? I said, too. I said, it's egg salad in a paper bag. Nothing to keep it cool. Here, kid, have some food poisoning. Like, hey, like, I, I know you just started living with us, but would you like some E. coli? Yeah. Like, come on, Joanne. Oh, I guess it'd be salmonella, not E. coli. Well, it could be anything after <laughs> it sits around that long. Yeah. So Kyle asks Andy how he managed to get himself tied up last night. He tells her that Chucky did it. And she doesn't believe him. Andy looks very defeated and laments that nobody ever believes him. But Kyle gives him some tips on how to get along at the new school. Andy gets on the bus with the asshole booger pickers. And a blonde asshole kid shoves him for absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. And this just made me say, little blonde kids suck. I'm sorry if you love a little blonde kid, but think back to your time in school. Every asshole was the blonde kid. Well, sometimes, for the most part, yeah. As the bus pulls away, we can see Chucky's cute little feet kicking away underneath it. <laughs> and I like that a lot. I, put, <laughs> I noted that, okay, when I rode the bus, everyone would fight for the back seat. Yeah. The back seat would not have been open. Oh, no. Like Especially that- the back seat on the, you know, like if you're walking down the aisle, the right side. Yeah. Because it's the single seat. Yes. And the bus driver can't see you very well back there. Yes. That was the whole reason we sat back there. Oh, what were you doing back there? Smoking drugs. You were smoking. Were you taking marijuana pills? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at school, Andy's at recess, and he's just throwing a ball against a fence, look- looking super paranoid. Yeah. I I really feel for little Andy Barkley. He, he's probably like six inches from the fence and is just like tossing the ball into it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, look, I'm playing. Yeah. Um, we cut to shots inside the empty school before we enter a classroom and see Chucky sitting at a teacher's desk. Where is it? Where is it? He's rifling through some, a stack of papers looking for something. So then we cut to a teacher reading aloud from Pinocchio. The class are all sitting in their desks listening. The dickhead kid from the bus that shoved Andy is sitting behind him and flicks his ear. Andy whips around and yells, get lost, microchip. <laughs> Which is like. I think that's 90s little kid for, fuck you, bastard. I don't know. It made me giggle. Uh, The teacher confronts Andy and tells him she doesn't have patience for disruptive students, and he should be trying to get on her good side. This is without even investigating. Andy tries to tell her what happened, but she doesn't want to hear it. I wonder why all of us millennials have mental health problems. Yeah. So the teacher dismisses the students and goes to her desk and picks up the stack of papers Chucky was messing with earlier. She gets to a page that has fuck you, bitch, written across the uh, whole page in red crayon. And at the top is Andy's name. (laughs) And I like that she looks out towards the classroom with a look on her face like, oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Andy's putting toys away and he opens up a cabinet and finds Chucky in a doll form. He's not Chucky live. He's Chucky doll form. Yes. And the teacher, obviously upset, confronts Andy. She asks him why he would do something like that. And Andy says he didn't. She sa- asks who did. Um, and you can tell that Andy wants to tell her it was Chucky because he's staring at the doll. But this hasn't worked out so well for him. No, nobody ever believes him. Yeah. 
She tells him, no way, no toys, and grabs the doll. She instructs Andy to sit there with his head down as she tosses Chucky into a closet and locks the door before leaving the room and locking Andy inside the classroom. Yeah, and and there were two other egregious things that Miss Kettlewell did. First off, she hauls him up off the floor by his arm. Yeah. And then she pretty much throws him into a desk and slams his face down on the desk with the back of his head. Yeah. Like, oh, if I found out a teacher did that to my kid, we would have brass knuckles. <laughs> um, yeah. It just just lock a kid in classroom. Who cares if a fire breaks out? We, oh, yeah. It's fine. It's all good. Well, he wrote an obscenity. Well, yes. Two of them. Oh, no. You? And, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Andy gets up from his desk and cautiously approaches the closet. He peeks through the keyhole. Why do kids peek through the fucking keyhole? There's. Don't do it. Nothing scary would have happened if you didn't look through the keyhole, <laughs> exactly. Andy. And he's greeted by Chucky's bright blue eye. Chucky yells at Andy to let him out. Andy tries the classroom door, but it's locked, so he runs to the window. Chucky tells him he won't kill anybody else, just let him out. And then the closet door starts to shake as Chucky is pounding on it from the other side. Andy manages to get the window open and escape. And the teacher comes back and enters the classroom. Andy is nowhere, but the closet door is still shaking. She yells at him for not staying in his seat and demands that he opens the door. The closet door abruptly stops shaking and she uses her key to unlock the door and enters the closet, ready to kick Andy's ass. Okay, so I don't think she should be a teacher. (laughs) She assaults students. She locks them in rooms by themselves. Yeah. And she's not even smart enough to understand how a fucking door works. She <laughs> locked that door yeah. with a key, and she thinks. But okay, she thinks nine-year-old little Andy Barkley picked the lock, got in there, and relocked the door. So this is 1990. She looks like she's probably, I'd say, 60 years old. Yeah. So she probably started teaching in the 50s. Yeah. I mean, that's when you could beat kids. You could beat kids in the 50s. That's that's what the the yardstick was for yeah oh (laughs) oh (laughs) (laughs) there's a yardstick coming up yep yep there is good job she turns on the light and yells for andy to come out it's a big closet filled with the students coats classroom supplies and recess toys she can't find andy and starts to have a little concern in her voice she checks a rack of coats and a ball from above falls down scaring the shit out of her She parts another group of coats and Chucky explodes out and stabs her in the chest. With a ball pump. Okay, that's what I thought it was. Yeah. And then he like, he pushes the plunger on the ball pump into her chest. Yeah. So the teacher stumbles out of the closet and knocks over like three desks because in Chucky movies, you don't just fall a little bit. You fall a lot. You fall hard. Yes. Um, Well, she was propelled by that gust of air that he pumped into her. (laughs) Chucky walks out of the closet carrying a yardstick and tells the teacher she's been very bad. We get shots of Chucky holding the yardstick and shots of the teacher screaming, but we don't actually get to see what happened. And then I put a note that it would take a very long time to bludgeon someone to death with a yardstick. Yeah, and she's earned every single whack. (laughs) One thing I really liked about this scene is like, 
how you see through the window, he raises the yardstick and it comes down. Yeah. And every time it comes down, you get like a big orchestral sting. Uh And then the camera backs up like 50 feet and you see the yardstick raise again. Yeah. And then it comes down, orchestral sting, and then it backs up again. I will say for them not showing anything, it's very effective. Yeah. And you, you just really wanted her to get beaten to death with a yardstick. Yeah. She's not cool. I don't like her. Yeah. Miss Kettlewell was very, very bad. True. So back at home, Phil is grilling Andy again, and Andy tells him that Chucky followed him to school, and he escaped and ran home. Joanne says that a teacher called home and said that Andy wrote an obscenity on his paper, and she was keeping him after class. Andy says that Chucky did it, and Phil loses his shit. Phil says he won't tolerate this foolishness in his house. First off, Phil... Screw you. Secondly, (laughs) eat a dick. Um, So now he walks Andy to the basement door and tells him to open it. Andy holds strong and refuses to open it. Joanne protests, but Phil shuts her down. Phil tells him again to open the door. Again, Andy refuses. Now Phil yells at the traumatized child again to open the door. Andy still holds strong. So Phil pulls the door open and points to what he thinks is Tommy at the bottom of the basement stairs. He tries to get Andy to admit that it is Tommy but Andy refuses to. Andy, he is steadfast. I, yeah. He's oh. like, no, Phil, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, he holds his own. So later, Phil and Joanne are yelling at each other in their bedroom. Phil wants to send Andy back to the center before Andy tears this family apart. Joanne says that families don't give up on their children, and Phil screams at the top of his lungs, he's not our child. So while they're arguing, the camera glides down the hallway and stops on Andy's doorway. Andy's looking very, very dejected, Mm -hmm. sitting on his bed. And Kyle comes in and tries to comfort him and give him some more advice. She tells him that the only person he can count on is himself. He tells her, it doesn't matter. No matter where I go, Chucky will find me. Mm -hmm. And he's so sad. He is sad. Now it's nighttime again, and we see the POV shot going through the house. This time it's Andy. Andy's little hand is opening kitchen drawers. Then he sees an electric carving knife. And that an electric carving knife always makes me think of idle hands and Seth Green going, Look at me! I'm Leatherface! I put it in my notes. Because <laughs> he does, he holds it up just like that. So, brave little Andy... He opens the door. He's armed. Chucky is no longer at the bottom of the steps. Andy goes all the way downstairs to look for his killer doll. He bumps into some shit and then revs the knife up at it. He bumps into everything all the time. Yeah, he's a little kid. Little kids bump into shit. He opens the dryer and just starts stabbing (laughs) at clothes inside with the knife. Can you imagine? Like, they go downstairs the next day and, like, pull their sheets out of the laundry and they're Uh just all cut up, like... What the hell? I mean, at this point, they're probably not going to worry about what happens in the future. Well, but yeah. like, that's what I thought. I was like, he's just like stabbing at their clothing. <laughs> <laughs> so the basement's full of tacky, weird shit, just like upstairs yeah. is. And there's like a, like a full sized, like, it looks like it was a chainsaw carving of like a Native American man. Oh, yeah. I'm like, why, why is that in your basement? Who knows? They collect weird shit. It's probably worth money. Yeah. <laughs> but while he's uh, going around the basement, we see Chucky's silhouette run behind Andy. 
Andy continues his search, but Chucky jumps on him from above and goes for his signature move, the ear bite. Don't bite people's ears. So Phil hears something from downstairs and goes to check it out. He has to turn off his business news that he's watching on TV. We cut back to the basement where Chucky and Andy are in a nice little wrestling match. And Chucky tells him, why fight it, Andy? We're going to be very close. In fact, we're going to be fucking inseparable. I love Chucky so much. I know you do. Andy gets his trusty carving knife back and slashes at Chucky with it. Chucky gets off his back and runs away just as Phil opens the door. Phil sees Andy with a knife, and he's concerned. I, I would be concerned. He tells Andy to put down the knife, and then he comes down the steps talking to Andy like he is a rabid dog that Phil is trying to tame enough to throw it in a cage. <laughs> as Phil's descending the steps, we see like a harpoon metal hooky thingy. I think it was a fireplace poker tool, and he just like hooked it around him. Ah. But go on, because I, I couldn't really tell what happened here. But it pops up behind the open-faced steps, following Phil's footsteps down. I wrote the harpoon hook. Okay. <laughs> the harpoon hook comes through the steps and hooks Phil's foot. He falls over the side of the steps, being held up by only his foot, and he's looking straight into Chucky's face. Chucky looks at him and goes, how's it hanging, Phil? Then he gives Phil just enough time to process what's going on. Then he pulls the hook off Phil's foot. This sends him crashing to the floor head first. Breaking his neck, Phil dies instantly. Yeah. But you know what? At least before he died, he got to see that Andy was right all mm -hmm. along. Joanne hears the ruckus and comes down to find Andy standing by Phil's dead body. She screams at Andy to get away from them. Now we see an ambulance loading in dead Phil. The next thing we see is Joanne throwing all of Andy's clothes into his suitcase. She blames herself for Phil's death because she didn't listen to him about Andy. Kyle tries to comfort her and then takes Andy's suitcase downstairs to him. The crisis center lady is there and she's reassuring Andy that everything will be okay and they'll be able to find him a new family. Andy warns Kyle that Chucky is still in the cellar. Kyle's downstairs as the cops finish up their investigation. She spots Chucky under the steps. When the cops leave, she takes Chucky outside and throws him in the trash can. She sits on the swing and lights up a smoke and starts to swing. As she drags her feet over the ground beneath the swing, she unearths Tommy the good guy doll's shoe. She picks up the doll and sees that its face is smashed in. That would be so disturbing to find. <laughs> well, at that point, don't you think that she would just think that like... Andy did it? Yeah. So she goes to the trash can to find that Chucky is no longer there. Kyle hears a thud from Joanne's room and goes back into the house, grabbing a knife from some camping supplies in a storage closet. Well, and it's, it seemed like she knew that that knife was there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she's been in some rough houses. That's true. You know, you got to know where you can fight. Yeah. So she starts to go upstairs to check on Joanne, knife in hand. She sees a ball of yarn on the steps. And uh, we can hear Joanne's sewing machine running. Kyle goes into Joanne's room following the yarn the whole way. The room is in disarray. Joanne is slumped in the chair. Kyle turns the chair around to find that Joanne has been gagged and strangled. Kyle sits on the bed to gather herself. A lump on the bed rises up in the sheets behind her. The sheets split open and Chucky comes out in full attack mode. <laughs> he jumps on her back and he's kicking and yelling. 
and he's awesome. Also, props to Christine Elise, just like Catherine Hicks and Chris Sarandon before her, for being able to act while having an animatronic doll flailing on her back. <laughs> also, props to the crew for not laughing and ruining the take. Yeah. Because this is hilarious. It's a little doll. And he's kicking and swearing and biting. Yeah. So they tussle and she bashes him into some things before falling back onto the bed with Chucky still attached to her back. During the wrestling match, she dropped the knife and picks up a lamp that was broken in the fight to use as a weapon. She backs up through the room, keeping an eye on the bed she thinks Chucky is hiding under. Then Chucky pops out from behind a corner and knocks her feet out from under her with just a swipe of his little doll arm. He gets on top of her, holding a knife to her face and says, Bitch, you hurt me. Now Chucky is holding Kyle at knife point as she drives him to the crisis center to get Andy. He tells her to step on it, and, asks, and she asks what the rush is. He tells her about getting stuck in the doll body if he doesn't get to Andy soon. Then she floors it, and they speed by a cop who pulls out to pursue them. They get pulled over. Chucky holds the knife to her ribs and tells her to behave. The cop clocked her at 60 and a 45 and asks for her ID. He notices Chucky and says that he loves good guy dolls. He asks the doll his name, and Chucky just turns and looks at him in his very grumpy Chucky voice and goes, Chucky. <laughs> the cop is elated. Then Chucky's nose starts to bleed, and the cop asks about it. Kyle says, you've seen dolls that pee? This one bleeds. The cop lets her off with a warning and tells her, hey, buckle up for safety. At the crisis center, the curly-haired lady is tucking Andy into bed and making sure he's okay. As soon as she leaves the room, Andy springs out of his bed and gets dressed in his not pajamas. Mm -hmm. He's going out. He's on a mission. Back in the car, Chucky's demanding that Kyle drives faster. She buckles her seatbelt, floors it, and then slams on the brakes, sending Chucky flying through the windshield. He hits the ground and rolls, and Kyle loses sight of him. As she's looking around for him, Chucky pops up in front of the car, half on the hood and half dangling in front of the grill. Kyle floors it, and Chucky slams his face into the hood of the car. Then he picks up his head and yells, You goddamn women drivers! <laughs> it's funny. It's not funny. It's a doll swearing and like being chauvinistic. <laughs> it's hilarious. So Kyle gets up some speed and then slams the car into a chain-link fence. She backs up, Chucky gets to his feet, and she tries to ram him again, but Chucky dodges the, the car at the last second. After the impact, the car is dead, and she realizes that they're very close to the crisis center. She gets out of the car, and we get a POV shot from under the vehicle, and you definitely think we're going to get an, an Achilles tendon cut here, mm -hmm. which I hate. I hate Achilles tendon cut scenes. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we don't. But Chucky is on the roof of the car and jumps onto Kyle's back, holding the knife to her throat, and he tells her, playtime's over. At the Orphan Center, Andy is sitting fully dressed in his bed when the fire alarm goes off. All the kids file out of the building. Andy hits the top of the stairs and sees Kyle standing there with Chucky in her arms. From behind, we can see that Chucky has a knife held against Kyle's back, but he's in doll form. The caseworker lady comes down the stairs and starts dragging Andy, saying they need to get outside. She looks up and sees Kyle standing in front of the fire alarm. She asks Kyle what's going on and if she's the one that pulled the alarm. Kyle pauses before saying, no, he did, while nodding at Chucky. The caseworker lady is not impressed and drags both the kids into her office. 
She confronts Kyle and asks if this is all a joke. Kyle and Andy exchange knowing glances, and the caseworker lady says, enough, and grabs the doll from Kyle's arms. Chucky comes to life and stabs her multiple times. <laughs> she falls into the copy machine face first, and we get pictures of her <laughs> scanned face as she's dying. And uh, this was such a, a trope in the late 80s and early 90s. They're like copy machines. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. We could use that in our scary movie. Well, you see it in all kinds of movies. Yeah. Like in Scrooge. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> Kyle grabs Andy's arm and tries to run away with him. But Chucky smoothly shuts the door, trapping Andy and him inside together. Okay, sport. We're going to have a little game of Chucky says... Chucky says, move your ass. <laughs> I also like that Andy's sitting there staring at like the dead lady on the floor. Uh -huh. And Chucky goes, snap out of it. You act like you've never seen a dead body before. Yeah. <laughs> Andy looks around in shock and Kyle's um, trying to break in unsuccessfully. Fire trucks begin arriving. Um, now outside, Andy is piggybacking Chucky. Chucky sees a newspaper truck and instructs Andy to get in. Kyle finally breaks into the office, but finds no Chucky or Andy. She climbs out the window just in time to see them take off in the truck. So Kyle runs back to the car. And at this point, I put, okay, earlier, I didn't understand that the accident happened right outside of the orphanage. Oh. <laughs> because I couldn't understand why she didn't try to start the car up again. She just got out and started running. And I was like. I think she did try to crank it once and it kind of no, sputtered, didn't it? No, she doesn't try at all. Oh. And I was like, why Why didn't you try? Like, you could go faster in the car. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? There's no plot holes in this movie. I know. They got it covered. They, yeah. So the engine catches and she takes off super fast to chase the truck. There's an intense chase scene with a lot of squealing tires as the newspaper truck driver casually sings a tune and drives along like a normal human being. Kyle has the most intense face ever and is drifting every corner and running into trash cans. <laughs> Inside the news truck, Chucky has Andy pinned down and is getting ready to perform the ritual when Kyle catches up to them. She follows closely and honks her horn while trying to get the driver's attention. With no luck, she pulls up alongside the truck, yelling <laughs> at the driver to pull over. But you missed that Chucky looks at her when she's honking and flashing her brights and he just, he puts up his little doll hand and flips her the bird. And it's hilarious. Okay. Oh, this movie is comedy gold. It's not. Uh, the driver doesn't cooperate and Kyle pulls out in front of the truck, making it stop. She runs out of her own car and gets to the back of the newspaper truck. But Chucky and Andy aren't there anymore. She sees them across the street and Chucky's piggybacking on Andy again. She wants to follow them, but the driver of the truck confronts her, wondering what her problem is. She pushes him away, and then that way she can finally chase after Andy and Chucky. We see that Kyle is running into the Good Guy doll factory. Chucky and Andy get inside through an open garage door, and Kyle manages to Indiana Jones under the same door. And that's what I said. <laughs> getting in just as it closes. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Inside the factory, Chucky and Andy run through the warehouse filled with Good Guy dolls. Like, Filled. Did you have a little question about why they decided to set up their good guy doll storage facility as a maze? Yes. And it doesn't look like it's wide enough for a fork truck to get through it's there. It's not. But I did, I think, uh, I might have put something in my notes later. We'll discuss. Okay. <laughs> 
When they reach a spot that Chucky finds acceptable, he tells Andy, we're home. And then I think he knocks Andy out, but I don't know because Andy falls to the ground with his eyes closed. But that kid can't keep his eyes still for shit. No, not at all. (laughs) They're very fluttery. Yes. Chucky laughs and says, close your eyes and count to seven. When you wake, you'll be in heaven. And then he giggles a lot and places the knife on Andy's chest before saying, This is it, world. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. Good Guy. Oh, is that what he says? Yeah. I thought he said nice guy. From here on out, no more Mr. Good Guy. Oh, that makes more sense. So Chucky starts his chant, and a giant ass cloud forms under, over, not under, (laughs) the factory. Lightning starts flashing inside. Chucky continues the ritual. I feel like the ritual is a lot longer this time. I think it's longer when he has to do it to transfer his soul back into a human. Okay. Because in the first movie, it was shorter when he was putting it into the doll. Yeah. But it was longer when they were in the apartment. Okay. So everything's going super crazy, and then it suddenly stops. Andy slowly opens his eyes and gives a little smirk. So we're not sure if it's Chucky or Andy, but then blood starts to drip on him. The camera pans up to Chucky's nose bleeding, and he screams, obviously disappointed that his ritual didn't work. Chucky starts throwing a fit because now he's trapped inside the doll. A stack of doll boxes suddenly fall on him, and we see that Kyle was the one that pushed over the boxes, and she yells at Andy to run. Chucky explodes from the pile of boxes. (laughs) Screaming. Yes. He just... Andy and Kyle find each other and run to escape, but they were in a maze of good guy dolls. There's a turns that lead to dead ends, and I put, it's like The Shining, but with dolls. It is. And that's what I read. I don't know if that's one of my facts later on, but they meant to do that. They want It's like an homage to The Shining. Oh, nice. Yeah. They finally make their way out and find the final line for the dolls. Freshly boxed dolls are making their way down the line. Before the conveyor belt is a hot dog roller cage. (laughs) Yeah. It's meant to move the dolls from a higher platform onto the belt. And Kyle says they need to climb it. She goes first, followed by Andy. I put, yeah, I probably would have had the kid go first. Yeah, because then if he fell, you could have like steadied him. So Kyle makes it to the top, but Andy slips and falls. Behind him, Chucky pops up brandishing the knife. Andy struggles to climb more quickly, but Chucky is on his tail. Kyle urges him to hurry, and Chucky is literally on his feet, almost stabbing his foot each time he gets to a new rung. Kyle reaches her arm out and tells Andy to grab it. She's able to quickly pull him up and out of the cage quickly, and then she slams a gate shut on Chucky's hand as he's trying to get through. Now, I know that this is an early 90s slasher movie uh-huh. but did you wonder why there was that like weird security gate thing at the top of there i don't like, understand anything in this factory did they need to be able to keep things from going down that slide because i think the whole point is that things need to go down that slide i don't understand anything in this factory <laughs> <laughs> kyle and andy take off running as chucky yells i'm gonna get you fuckers chucky attempts to pull his hand from the grate without success He continues to try, and we see the skin on his arm and hand start to stretch before separating his hand and his arm completely. 
He and just ripped his own hand off. He just ripped off. his hand off. And inside there are tendons and bones and blood. So obviously he ain't a doll anymore. Nope. This isn't about getting Andy for the sole purpose. This, this is, is revenge. About, yeah. Yeah. So Kyle and Andy find a door. Find a door marked exit. The only way to get to this door <laughs> is by going through a press that's inserting dolls' eyes into their heads. We know how dangerous the doll eye inserting machines can it's be. It's very dangerous. So Kyle makes it through on two attempts. And I put, it's very dangerous. Also, how is there not a way around this machine? They just poorly designed it. Okay. <laughs> it's, you know, we're in the hands of engineers now. Andy's super nervous and he throws a doll out of the way and tries it a couple of times before he makes it through. And it, if he had ever played Super Mario World, he would have been an ace at this because, you know, you're waiting for the thing uh -huh. to come down. Then you got to wait for it to go back yep. up. We cut back to Chucky and he put the knife in a vise and is broken off the handle. He then plunges his arm onto the back of the knife so that he now has a knife arm. Hell yeah. And I put gross, 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 gross. But I love, I love it for him that he has a knife arm. Okay. Kyle and Andy reach the exit door, but now it won't open. Well, it's not an emergency exit. It's just an exit. Oh, okay. <laughs> so their exploits on the conveyor belt causes a jam up. And the automated system lets a tech know that he has to go do his job, and he is not pleased about it. So Kyle and Andy watch a piece of machinery that seems to heat seal the doll's arms and legs to the bodywork. It has a door at the front and the back. A doll body is brought up a conveyor belt on a stand. Once the stand is in the center of the machine, the door is shut, and the robotic arms bring the doll arms and legs into the machine. There are loud, steamy noises and then the door opens with the arms and legs installed on the doll. As they watch this machine work, Andy is standing beneath a dump valve on a vat of molten plastic, and it nearly drips on his head, but Kyle pulls him to safety just in time. A drop of plastic hits the floor and sizzles. Well, and Kyle was looking at like at that machine, like that was the way to get out. Yeah. And I don't know why, because I was like, Kyle, don't go that way. No. I promise you that's not the way to get out. It looks dangerous up there. <laughs> yes. So Chucky bursts out of an air vent, for some reason, mm -hmm. with his new knife hand, and the tech arrives at the jam-up at the eyeball station to clear the dolls. He lays on the conveyor belt and starts working with the machine, with his head directly beneath the eyeball installer. But it was a fake scare, because he fixes the machine and gets out of harm's way. Mm -hmm. Then Chucky pops up for the real scare. He slits the tech's throat, the tech falls onto his back on the conveyor, and it pulls him into the eyeball installer. The machine drops down and plops two good guy eyeballs right in his head. Where's OSHA? He's dead. <laughs> Elsewhere in the plant, Andy and Kyle are still looking for a way out. Andy stumbles into a control panel that backs up the line. A doll who already had arms installed gets pulled back into the arm and leg installer machine. The doors close and the machine goes to work. Kyle hits the button to set the line back right and the machine doors open, revealing a good guy that has several arms and legs attached at strange points on its body. <laughs> it's steaming or smoking like it's super hot. And now we get another fake scare as a doll on a stand falls over on the production line behind our protagonists. Kyle turns back around after seeing that they're no longer in danger from the fallen doll to find Chucky standing on the conveyor just above Andy's head. 
She yells for Andy to duck, and she belts Chucky in the face with a tool tray. He falls back onto the conveyor that pulls him up into the good guy hair installer machine. He screams as the plastic staples go into him and nail him down to one of the doll stands. Sorry, I couldn't really remember what happened here. But it's like not nailing him in the head. It's putting pubes on his body. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He didn't want pubes. He really liked that Ken doll look. Yeah. So Kyle tells Andy to hit the reverse button on the control panel again. He does, and Chucky is pulled back up the line into the arm and leg installer machine. The doors shut, and the robot arms start doing their work. Chucky screams in agony as the machine starts to go. When the screaming stops, Andy presses the button to get the line going forward again. Chucky's mangled body comes out with fresh plastic appendages dripping in blood. Andy and Kyle think they've killed the killer doll, and they walk their way through the production line. But we see a blood smear beneath the arm and leg installer like something has been dragged away from it. Mm. Then the camera shows us a metal line near the floor that goes all the way up to the arm and leg installer machine. I wish we could have seen legless Chucky just like descending that line. (laughs) So the camera goes back to Andy and Kyle, still thinking that they've won the day. Then the dead Mm -hmm. body of the tech comes swinging in on a winch cable. The dead body knocks into Kyle, throwing her onto the assembly line and knocking her out. Andy dodges the dead body. And now he's standing next to the dripping molten plastic tank. Mm-hmm. I bet it's hot. I bet it is. Chucky comes dragging himself over to Andy on a little wheelie base thing that reminds me of those <laughs> scooters we used to ride in gym class. Yes, that you pinched your fingers on. Yes. I wonder if they still use those. I'm going to say no. Because I'm pretty sure I almost broke a finger or yeah. three. He tells Andy that he's going to cut off his legs too. And he slashes with his knife hand and hits an air hose that starts flailing around. Then he gets his knife stuck in some metal slats on the side of a machine. A drop of the molten plastic lands just in front of Chucky's face. He looks up to see that Andy is about to open the dump valve on the plastic tank. Chucky looks shocked and Andy opens the valve, showering the killer doll in hot liquid. Chucky screams as the plastic melts him partially. Andy looks up to see that Kyle is still unconscious and about to go into the arm and leg installer machine. Oh no, she doesn't want egg. Le- hmm. She doesn't want eggs. She doesn't want eggs and legs installed into her head. <laughs> he climbs up to her and revives her just in time. She sits up just as the machine doors close right where her head <gasps> used to be. We can see the melted and mangled thing that used to be Chucky on the floor surrounded by cooling plastic. The air hose he severed is still flailing about next to him. Kyle sees Andy's handiwork, and Andy's very proud of himself. Do you think you can see Chucky's brain? I don't know. Not right here. It looks like his brain. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it just looked like some melty plastic. No, there's a lot of veins underneath it. Oh, I don't think your brain's veiny. Oh. (laughs) I think it's just wrinkly. Maybe just like his scalp. Maybe. I don't know. So Chucky springs back to life, all melty-faced and drippy like the toxic waste bad guy in RoboCop. And he also kind of reminds me of a garbage pail kid right here. Yes! Like he looks like like a garbage pail card. Yes. So he's trying his bite attack on Kyle, but she jams the air hose into Chucky's mouth and says, Eat this, you son of a bitch. Chucky's head fills with air, and this is where he really looks like a garbage pail kid. Yes, yeah. 
Andy and Kyle take cover while Chucky's head explodes and gore shoots everywhere. A loading dock door opens and Kyle and Andy step into the morning outside the factory. Andy asks, where are we going? Kyle says, home. Andy asks, where's home? Kyle replies, Andy, I have no idea. Credits. The end. Yeah, that was a movie. It was an awesome movie. (laughs) Would you like to start the body count? Sure. I started with the factory technician. I think he died. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he died. I thought he was electrocuted and thrown through a window. That's what I said. But did he die? Um, most likely. We're gonna go. We're gonna go with yes. Number two is Matson. He was suffocated with a bag. Uh, number three is the teacher, Mrs. Kettlewell. Ms. Oh, Kettlewell. I'm sorry, Ms. Kettlewell, who was bludgeoned with a yardstick. I wrote partially off screen because yeah. it's not really off screen because we can see the action of the swings, but yeah. we don't get to see the impact. Mm-hmm. So uh, Phil has the how's it hanging broken neck kill. Yeah. And then Joanne, it looked like she had blood on her neck. I think maybe he like ligature strangled her. Maybe. I don't know. She died. She was dead. Yeah. Uh, Grace, the orphanage lady, repeatedly stabbed in the chest. Mm -hmm. Then we have the factory operator and he got doll eyes in his head. Mm hmm. After getting his throat slashed. Yeah. And then Chucky. Head exploded after he had a real rough night. Yeah. Can I get your reactions? (laughs) I think this is going to hurt me. Uh, Okay. You ready? (laughs) I'm bracing. I have a really hard time taking these movies seriously in any way. A killer doll is just absolutely ridiculous to me, and I don't find them scary or really even entertaining. And this movie didn't really do anything to change my opinion. The acting was pretty over the top, and I think the camera shots weren't anything to write home about. The only thing really worth mentioning was the kill of the factory operator with the doll eyes. And I felt like the final scene in the factory drug on forever. It is the entire third act. Yes. But I did say that the doll's realism was a lot better in this movie. Although I didn't like his eyes as much in this one. Oh, I liked him more. Oh, they're, I don't know. That's all. I mean, I didn't like rip it, but. Well, I don't think you said enough nice things about it. So I'm going to say some really nice things about it. All right. I have always and will always love this movie because it brings back so many good memories of laughing with my best friend in our middle and high school years. The Chucky doll is seriously like a modern marvel to me. It looks alive. Yes. They did so good. That's not CG. No. Like that's just. Animatronics. That's just people doing awesome work. And Brad Dorif's voice on top of the Chucky doll. I didn't I like, love it. I did not like his voice in this movie. Oh. I, I don't mind it in the first one. And I don't know what he did differently in this one, but I just. They did have a lot more reverb on his voice. Maybe that's what it is. But I think this is a perfect like early 90s slasher. It's ridiculous. It's completely unwarranted, but it's fun. And you can just sit and riff on it. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was pretty well shot. And they did a really good job on the special effects. Yeah. Yeah. That's me gushing over it. All right. You got some production facts? I sure do. Would you like me to start? Sure. 
So Paramount, Warner Brothers, Columbia Pictures, 20th Century Fox, Karolko, New Line Cinema, Disney, and Universal all wanted in on this movie. Yeah. I'm speechless. Can you imagine if <laughs> Disney had acquired the rights to Child's Play? No. Oh, was that the end of that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, because John Lafia was so persistent about making sure they got the perfect takes of Chucky, it took an entire day to shoot the scene of Chucky stepping out of the closet with the ruler. You know what? He did a good job. They did do a good job. Brad Dorif recorded all of his Chucky dialogue before filming started so that they could match up the doll to his voice. Yeah. Rather than his voice trying to match the doll. Mm hmm. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm hmm. John Lafayette had the idea of making the factory very bright and colorful, likening it to something out of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, as opposed to being dark and gloomy, which he felt wasn't unique. I will give him credit for that. Yeah. He felt that it could be just as scary with the colors of an amusement park. So this movie is shorter than most horror offerings due to them cutting Chris Sarandon and Catherine Hicks characters from the script due to budgetary constraints. Oh. They had $13 million to make this movie, and they're like, nah, we can't pay Chris Sarandon and Catherine Hicks to well, reprise their roles. Well, not if they had to roles. spend a whole day getting Chucky to walk out the closet. But I guess that there was a big courtroom scene. Oh. Where you see Chris Sarandon be like, I don't know what she's talking about. I didn't see a doll doing anything. Oh, what a jerk. Yeah. So that would have been cool to have in there. Yeah. We didn't get it. In the novelization of this movie, Chucky muses in his internal monologue about the advantages of his doll body and how it puts him at perfect height for slashing people's legs, cutting them just behind the knee or severing their tendons. Chucky's a bad guy. He is. I don't have any more facts. I don't either. Do you have any goofs? I only, I only noticed one because this movie is so well made. Oh. Chucky's nose blood disappears in the car with a cop scene. Oh. Like it starts trickling out mm-hmm. and you see it in the close up. But then when they have the like far shot where you see he and Kyle. Yeah. There's no blood. That's not too bad. And the cop is still commenting on the blood, but there's no blood there. Hmm. Mandy, who are you? Oh. I want to be Kyle. That's what I said. I said, at this time, I would have killed to be Kyle. The short blonde hair, her outfits are spot on. I guarantee she listens to Social D or The Cure or The Smiths. Oh, yeah. I'm like, but she also was so lovely in taking Andy like under her wing mm-hmm. and taking care of him. I wrote, Mandy is Kyle, but without the smoking. Yeah. You would impart your wisdom on the little kid and try to help him while also looking out for yourself. Yeah. Who do you think you are? I'm the grumpy tech guy who gets electrocuted in the first (laughs) scene because I will totally mouth off to the CEO and his little crony and then congratulate my machine on a job well done and die in a workplace accident. Yeah. I put that you're Andy because you would be constantly whining about nobody believing you. Yeah, that's true. You're like, nobody (laughs) believes me. So, final thoughts and rating? You're going to break my heart, aren't you? I gave it a three out of ten. Ouch. I said, I know Cam's going to be mad, but I'm just not impressed. As mentioned above, I didn't find it entertaining. There were a lot of things in the final factory scene that just didn't make sense. No exits. Everyone magically landing on a conveyor belt. (laughs) I like that they had the main set 
be a foster home. And I like that it brought awareness to that. But it's also the most ridiculous and far-fetched foster home I've ever seen. Yes. And I put, overall, I probably won't be watching this one again. Oh, you will. Because we need to cover it again. Nah, I won't make you sit through it again. (laughs) (laughs) So I gave it a 6 out of 10. I know the movie is ridiculous and it adds nothing but a little silly fun to the cinematic universe. But that fun, it's enough for me. I think Chucky is the perfect cheesy slasher antagonist. Mm -hmm. Like, you throw him in with, like, Leprechaun and, like, that whole ilk. Yeah. You know, I don't like Leprechaun either. It was just fun, early (laughs) 90s, stupid horror. Yeah. The acting's not that great, but I think the director, I I think he could have done more to get performances out of actors, but you could tell he was really focused on the effects more than anything Mm -hmm. else in the movie. It's a little kitschy, but I like the score. Yeah. I thought it was very ominous because it has that little like music box sound I, to it. I do it. like that it has a music box sound. It's um, whimsical while yeah. being scary. It's It might be a little too on the nose for some people, mm-hmm. but I think it works. So yeah, that's all I had to say. Cool, cool. So all in all, it's a 4.5 out of 10, and that hurts me. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'll always have my memories. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to do the socials? I going to say, that being said, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Franchise Frights Pod, X Snapchat at F Frights Pod, or you can just go to our website, www.franchisefrightspodcast.com. And tune in next Thursday when we're going to cover. Dawn of the Dead. Oh, boy. 1978, not 2004. I wish it was 2004. I kind of wish it was 2004, too. Then we wouldn't be spending so much money at the grocery store. Oh, stop. (laughs) I'm old. Okay. Boomer. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll see you guys next Thursday. And remember, they they always always come come back. back. Why do you hate the movies I love so I much? I jumped the gun on our ending. You did. It's sorry. okay. I'm I sorry. love you. <laughs>